Hi there, this is Mike Quinn, Nine Numb from Return of the Jedi, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. You're listening to Canned Air Podcast. And welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today to talk about a few of his comics, uh, Sinaitis and Croak, writer Cody Sousa. Thanks so much for being with us, Cody. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. We're going to have a good time today in our uh, retro roundtable. We're going to do like we did last week and look back through pop culture history at some of the things that happened this week. It's and a busy uh, week. Yeah, well, that it was. But we want to pick one of those uh, things right there and talk about it. I guess, well, I'll let you announce that as we get closer sure. to it. Then we're going to swing open the door to the comic vault. What do we have, gentlemen? Poorly drawn lines. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> oh, you know, I love it. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen it. Great stuff. Anxious yeah. to see. All Got right. uh, Freak Angels by Warren Ellis. All right. Cool. Cool. Things we'll be talking about there. Then we're going to turn our full attention over to Cody and uh, talk about his upcoming comics. So, I do that every week. But before we start, Jake. Social networking outlets. We got them. Twitter, at Canned Air Pod. Instagram, at Canned underscore Air. And don't forget, your favorite podcast is on Patreon. That's us for your favorite. So go ahead and throw a couple of hours our way if you want us to keep making excellent content and further improve the content we already have available. Also, if you're interested in contacting us, check out the website where you can see all our episodes as well as our special guest page. There it is. There it is, Jake. Thank you so much. I do what I can. And uh, society6.com forward slash kinderpod to get some tasty t-shirts. Took it right out of my mouth. I was about to say those tasty t-shirts. <laughs> We're brainwaving. I don't know if that's healthy. All that right. Was wonderful. <laughs> right, right. Let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. This week in pop culture history. 1938, Snow White debuts, an instant classic. Then the 1940 follow-up, Pinocchio, premieres. 1964, G.I. Joe releases models for all four branches of military. Then in 1982, the very first episode of Late Night with David Letterman. So we're going to be talking about late night TV shows. You know, Pinocchio and Snow White. We've already kind of That's, we've dissected got, in the uh, what, what if, if Disney never existed episode. We which, burned those fields. We salted the earth. Such a good episode. Did. Still though, go back and listen to it if you haven't. It's a good one. But so um, and GI Joe figures. Uh, I think. That's a good topic I for maybe save that one. Yeah, because at some point I feel like guest and retro and comic they're all going to align and GI Joe's just going to be correct. Yes, you know? exactly. Sit on it like we sat on the turtles for That's so right. long. Make and it boy, right. wasn't that was pay off worth it? Yeah. Kevin Eastman, come on. Just know that they weren't GI Joe dolls, no. even though they were twelve inches. That was a big <laughs> point that they were trying to make with that. Yep. It was a. Did you watch that shit on Netflix? No, I'm on that one, though. That's the next one i got to watch. It's it. so good. Yeah, it is. Uh, the Toys That Made Us. Yep. Uh, John Orlando of the PVD cast told me about it, and I started watching it and was hooked. And mind you, there's only like three episodes, but what were they? It was uh, Star, Star Wars, Wars, Barbie, He-Man, and G.I. Joe. And G.I. Joe, yeah. They need to do one on Lego. They need to do one on the Turtles. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Anyway, <laughs> getting pulled away from the topic. Do you guys remember Connects? <laughs> I, I do. Oh my god, yes. Cool. Yeah, right? The next were awesome. There are two reactions you get to that like, yeah, I do. And oh my god, yeah. Like the modern version of Tinker Toys pretty, <laughs> pretty much, but yeah. you could make <laughs> totally shit. steal my brothers. Yeah. <laughs> we need to get to the topic again right. here. Continue. Sorry. Late night television shows. Where do we begin? All right. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this is too big a deviation like right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Elvira comes to mind. Ooh, okay. It's like not a late night talk show. Right. But certainly in that same vein where it's a show on, 
late at, at night, night <laughs> made for that slot, you know, right, caters sure. to a very specific audience, less, you know, working class America, more mm-hmm. pasty weirdos in their basements. But when I hear late night show, for some reason, that's one of the first things that comes to mind. I get it. I mean, I almost put uh, Fritz the Night Owl on my list. See, totally. I'm glad yeah. I'm not the only one. Yeah. Because he, he would fit in that category, too. He came on at night and gave you cool movies. Yeah. But, um... Well, yeah. I'm stuck with. I was stuck on talk shows looking at that. I mean, topic. that's realistically that's, that's the I mean, right that's way. That's what to go it's based it. around, like David Letterman kind of shows. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Um, my favorite by far, I think, is Conan. Uh, I have to. He has turned into the favorite. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I've been watching that dude for years. You know, I haven't watched him recently. But way back when, I was stuck, stuck on Conan. I hated him at first when he was really? first out. Yeah, I couldn't stand it because the guests were cheap. Um, <laughs> no, you didn't know who they were. He hadn't, like, earned his place right. yet. It was the late, late show, so sure. there was just crap people on there. Right. But now, yeah, I'll pick that one. Jimmy Fallon's, like, right behind him. That, that's about where it goes. Jimmy Fallon's pretty good. Yeah. I fucking hate Jimmy Fallon. I, I can see that. with that. Yeah. Really? His, now, have yeah. you always hated him? Are you an OG hater, or is it just since the night, the late show? I hated just, him uh, since, since the late show for me. It wasn't just the late show for me. Ever since I saw just the general shape of his head and face, <laughs> I just knew that I couldn't stand him. That's kind of how I am with Andy Samberg. Is that, is that's that his understandable. Name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I never really liked him to begin with, but then, like, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong, but I, that he's an arrogant asshole is what I've seen and heard. To me, he always looked like like when you take one of your sister's dolls and you nuke it in the microwave for a few seconds, <laughs> and the hair sticks straight out and the partial melt goes forward. Yeah. Wow, man, stone's thrown on this episode. I'm just saying. You know. Hey, I'm the one that brought it up. I, I don't like the dude. We I burn bridges like on candy. <laughs> <laughs> no going back. We're going to lose that critical Jimmy Fallon, Andy Samberg fan market demographic, but whatever. We'll power through without it, man. <laughs> Jimmy Fallon, I like his the little skits that he does with the guests. Not so much the show, it's just yes. the little That's stuff. That's one that of he the does. things I'm torn with, is because he's he's got a good team of writers backing him up. He's just a charisma vacuum. Mm-hmm. There's nothing he's just hollow. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as someone says anything, he erupts into riotous laughter. I just feel like everything <laughs> about him sucks. It's like there's it, no it comes off kind of fake. Yeah, exactly. He uh he did a few things. Fallon, we're talking Fallon, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, he did a few things on his show that I thought were really cool. Was one uh, the Good Burger reunion? Like he, he's like oh, remembering my. when he his high school job and it was him working at Good Burger, and uh, both those dudes were there. But um, more so than that was the Saved by the Bell reunion. And I guess this just oh, resonates because I, I feel we're all probably about I the same that. age as Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. So um, you know, this I'm stuff- a lot younger. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I do have Jimmy. F- I have. To thank him for one thing. This was like back at the height of celebrities getting their own Ben and Jerry's ice cream flavor. Oh, yeah. Like Stephen Colbert got Americone Dream and all that. And it really pissed me off. But my favorite was Jimmy Fallon's because it was salted caramel with chocolate covered potato chip clusters. Ooh. Which is just fucking oh. magical. Like, everything about that comes That together. would be good. And I was like, oh, you son of a bitch. Because I got to look at his smug fucking face <laughs> on the front every time I dig in. I'm like, he knows. So I bet Jurassic World was fun for you to watch and see oh, his face come up man. on the little screen. <laughs> Someone better take the floor. I'm just I'll s- take the floor <laughs> from here. I just want to ask uh, Cody, going back to Conan, were you ever a fan? Like, I had no idea who he was until, like... I had seen him like on a you see him like on a billboard and like every once in a while if I visited New York or something and I was like who the fuck is that and then <laughs> it's then he got his own show and I was like oh that's who he is like I you know I, eventually I figured it out, figured it out and what he did and I, I start I actually do like Conan every anytime like I watch an episode of his show it's pretty good the guy has like a nice personality like a funny one so. Yeah, he's a cool guy. I like how he caters to like the the Comic Con yeah. crowds too. Yeah, like at San Diego, he always goes out there and puts live shows on and mingles with everybody. You and... see where he had the super suit? It was like no. a big rubber suit, and he had big plastic hair that was just no like Conan hair, but it was actually real. <laughs> I know that's like his awesome. uh, his comic book alter ego is like the Flaming Sea. I think 
He's got like an oven mitt and just the most that. horrible mismatch costume. Oh, it's I don't remember that. Real, real rough on the eyes. But see, I, the stuff I remember like most prominently was like the masturbating bear, like from way back in the day. Remember that? Like a bear in a diaper come out and just sit there. And Asinine just, concept. And uh, the Pimpbot 2000. Remember Pimpbot? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh man, he was just like a big robot that was dressed like a pimp. <laughs> and then it's all in the name. What a radical concept! <laughs> yeah, really. I just don't picture it. You know, I, I tell you what. The the thing I remember most fondly about Conan is when there was that huge ongoing writers' strike, and people in his situation were just in bad shape. It mm. hit John Stewart. It hit Stephen Colbert. It hit Conan. It hit everybody. Mm-hmm. So for a long time, they were kind of flying blind, and so he did everything in the world. That didn't have to be written. It, at some point, he pulled a member of the audience off the stage into the studio and just ran them around with a camera crew harassing other people who were filming in that studio. It was hilarious. It was a riot. He he greased up his desk with Vaseline and spun his wedding ring. That's it. He's just like, just killing time. And it became a <laughs> fucking game. That He broke some kind of record, and they released confetti from the ceiling. And then he went to the props room, and he was smashing stuff with a big prop halberd. Mm. It was ridiculous. It was a good time, but it didn't last. You now, know? didn't he and I think David Letterman both grew beards during that whole thing? Le- uh, yeah, Conan did, because I remember Beard Will Ferrell that. came on and, yeah, and shaved, shaved it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he kept coming on as a bit just on the screen, and he's just like, I'm going to shave that fucking beard, Conan. <laughs> he was getting all pissed and irate. It was hilarious. <laughs> I but liked Conan with the beard. It. I liked him with the yeah. beard. Yeah. Beard's a good look. But if you're man enough to grow one, <laughs> you know, Conan experienced the same kind of thing that David Letterman experienced uh, with Jay Leno uh, sexual misconduct. Right. No, no, I don't think they hit no. <laughs> but I mean, back in the day uh, when, you know, David Letterman and Jay Leno were okay. up. I found this on the web for it's the same kind of thing that David what? Letterman experienced with Jay Leno's sexual misconduct. Thanks, Susan. <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> I'm so glad we're recording. That was uh, awesome. The mystery solved, everybody. <laughs> I thought I heard something out the corner of my yeah, ear. Like a, I figured like a it plug. would just go away on its own, but nope, she was listening. Wow. She yeah. never hears any. Like, no. I can tell her a direct order and she'll get it wrong, but she hears you from across the room. <laughs> I've uh, got that effect on women. Anyway, back in the day... Um, I think like the prime spot was Johnny Carson's spot, which was NBC, if I'm not... The Tonight Show, right? With Johnny Carson? Yeah, That's what it was. Yeah. That was the coveted spot. And I don't know exactly what happened between them, but I know there was some shadiness on Leno's part that got him that slot. Yeah, and there was a weird conflict. The, they made a movie about it, even. There's a movie out on it. Late Night Wars or something? I don't oh, remember. Wow. But oh, I remember that It was a big yeah. deal. Um, and the same kind of thing happened when Conan... You know, Leno was set to retire, and Conan was going to take his spot. Come from, you know, with the 12, uh, see, what, 12.30 spot? Is that what it is? 12, so it's 11.30, yeah, 12.30. To the 11.30. And it, I think it was signed and everything, and then Leno's like, nah, I don't want to stop, you know? So they, <laughs> gave, <laughs> they gave him his own show. Like, it wasn't The Tonight Show, but it was like a half-hour Jay Leno... I don't remember what they called yeah, it. I, watched I think it was one literally episode. just the Jay Leno show, wasn't it? I think that may have just been Oh, it. that yeah, could have been it. Yeah, you're right. But um, well, it was like half an hour, and that would have bumped Conan's show to midnight, which he was pissed off about, oh, and sure. understandably so. Mm-hmm. He got screwed so hard in that whole thing. And I just loved watching David Letterman through that whole thing because he was like, has that you guys seen what's going on with Conan? And he just do that thing where he just kind of like pushes his tongue into the side of his cheek and like, just shake his head. <laughs> yeah, but he wouldn't say anything. Anytime he brought it up, he'd just kind of shake his head and be like, that Leno. <laughs> and then just move along. You know, that's all he had to say. Get that smooth little jab. In. Well, Conan was on after Letter- Letterman, wasn't he? Or was it after Leno? I thought they were on the same channel. Conan right? was on after Letterman, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he was supposed to step down right. and take that spot. And NBC, for some Unknown reason. Why well, I don't know why they would do that. But uh, now they're stuck with Fallon, right? <laughs> <laughs> we must all lay in the beds we've made. Lie in the beds. The best Whatever. thing about Jay Leno was Kevin Eubanks in the Tonight Show band. Kevin was Eubanks, bass player. Uh, he was just player. a guitar player, but he was funny. Uh, I mean, he was pulled in just in very, very much in the same way that. Uh, 
Conan used to pull Max Weinberg in mm-hmm. or uh, like Bamba. Yeah, I couldn't stand him. You like what? Max? Just oh, he's, he's a good he's a good musician, but just watching him because he would stare right at the camera, and I guess that's just that a, was the, that's his shtick. Yeah, because he would like, sit there and just staring right at the camera, but just something about his face. But well, yeah. that I mean, they always tried to pass it off like he had no thought in his head, like he was <laughs> yeah. emotionless. Just like right. no matter what Conan threw at him, when the can the camera would come to him, he'd just be staring into it, just blank as shit. It was ah, <laughs> oh, it was funny. Did anyone see that? It was a, I guess you'd call it a documentary where they followed Conan around while he was touring. Yes. Oh, can't can't stop. Can't stop. Yeah. Yeah. Is that right. when he was on a hiatus for yeah, a minute yeah. between TBS? He was like he, contractually forbidden yeah. from being on television for, for six while. months. I yeah, think so, it was. So he, so he took went a on show tour. on the road. And it was. I, oh my god! I, I have it. the soundtrack from it. It's pretty cool. Really? Uh, I think Jack White joined him on a oh, few shit. shows. Which actually, he uh, recorded some shit with Jack White in Jack White's studio. No kidding. I got it right here. Ooh. Oh, wow. So that's his face. I've been seeing that mustache. Right there. Great forever. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a small... Uh, what, were the, what are these? 40, I don't remember what these are called. 42? It's 45s. a number. Yeah. But it's just a side A and side B. One's a Conan O'Brien interview on one side. On the other side is him reciting something called And They Call Me Mad, which you can find <laughs> both of these on YouTube. But... Um, uh, man, I feel like we need to tweet this picture out because a good it's one. a picture of yeah. him with his beard during that Sums whole strike. Right but one thing about that documentary that was cool is you got to really see how much of an asshole he can be oh, dude. to people. The way he tormented his assistant. Just... But I mean, people who weren't even focused, like he would like get the fucking gear and get there now, you know? He's a no bullshit kind of guy. No, I, the bit that always sticks with me is when they're on a flight. And the flight attendants going through the whole safety routine, you know. Oh, exits here. Mm-hmm. Don't forget seatbelt. And he's sitting there like throwing peanuts into his mouth. He's like, oh yeah, is that how it works? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it. Put on put on my mask before I help. Okay. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's just like being such an absolute dick for no reason. Oh my god. Oh, good stuff. How you doing, Cody? Still with us? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> anyway, this episode is brought to you by Conan. Well, I know. I mean, that's that's where my main attention was late far as night. Late was night. A- and I tell you what, I don't know if this qualifies as late night. It's certainly a talk show. I know a lot of people. I don't have strong feelings one way or the other about him. Graham Norton has a really good format. I don't watch the show necessarily, but he brings in his guests sequentially. And they all stay and sit on, like, the same couch, and every discussion becomes... They're not just during the segment. Yeah, like a roundtable kind of thing. James Gordon does that. James Gordon. He he brings everybody out and then talks to them, like, all together. Well, I like that a lot. It sparks some interesting conversation. Mm -hmm. People can go off script a little. Yeah. I think it is, actually. I I, I think it is. But, um... Uh, James Corden, man. Now... (laughs) (laughs) The dude can make me laugh. I'll give it to him. But I hate... Fucking hate carpool karaoke. Yeah, it's the stupidest thing that. Caught yeah, on. I'm not a fan of that. Well, thank you. I'm glad to hear that, Cody. <laughs> but it just seems very cheap. I mean, you're just driving someone around while they sing their own songs, and then you're taking the kudos for it, right? Am I wrong? I'm with you. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. is he really adding a lot to the, the the equation other than driving the car? No. He needs to get some it shirts. Seems like pity. somebody's <laughs> random YouTube channel that you'd stumble on and then probably never go back. You know, yeah, there you are. That's exactly right. <laughs> it's got all the finesse of a throwaway YouTube series. Yeah. Oh my god, I, I don't understand the hype behind I'm it. I'm surprised but... they haven't made a whole TV show on that, like they did with the uh, the lip sync battles. Oh, Jesus H. Well, you know, Jimmy one Fallon. thing I noticed was that our DVR, because like primetime shows and late night shows, automatically record on all the main stations. For some reason, the DVR was separating for a while carpool karaoke from him. Like, it was its own thing. What? I don't know that it was its own show, but maybe they did like a 10 to 15 minute thing of it. By I don't know. Hmm. I don't know why the DVR did that. I never watched it to investigate. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if it did turn into like a web series or some shit. Most of the time, it's all pop singers anyway, so it's music I really don't yeah. care about. It's just another maggot eating its way through the corpse of Western culture. <laughs> <laughs> right on the nose. Yeah. Pull Martin Offler in a fucking van and drive him around. I'll watch that. Steve Perry. How about yeah. that? Yeah. I'll watch that. Oh, shit. Don't need to glorify the people who are already 
too glorified the way it is, right? Anyway, I got on a tangent there. I apologize. <laughs> we need to get back to Letterman, though. Some of the, some of the. <laughs> anyway, I mean, he was the inspiration. Yeah. We should at least touch on him a little bit. I always loved Letterman. I always loved Paul Schaefer. Um, they were great together. They bounced off each other very well. I couldn't I, I stand was... Paul either. What? Yeah, he was a good musician. I did. I... When he would sing stuff, I couldn't stand it because I can't stand the way he sings it. Oh, my God. There needs to be an album that's led by Kevin Eubanks, <laughs> Max Weinberg, and Paul Schaefer. I would be all over that. My ears would bleed. You know, I liked Letterman a lot until he stabbed his girlfriend. I thought that was kind of fucked up. What? Yeah, she's dead, man. No, he did not. No, he didn't. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. It seemed funny at the day. <laughs> Paul Schaefer, though, fun fact, co-wrote It's Raining Men. Oh, boy. Hallelujah. Well, if it's I were him, men. I would also not make a big deal of sharing that. <laughs> <laughs> I think even if you're the kind of person who would appreciate uh, a situation where it's raining men, you still recognize that song kind of fucking blows. You know what? I can't say that. Yeah. I can't say it. But mind you, I'm not dancing around the house singing sure. it's raining men or nothing, but it's catchy as fuck. You got to mm-hmm. give it that. I mean, take the words away from it and just go, you know, with the... Go it's, outside and start singing It's Raining yeah. Well, well see, that's another story. can't control public. Yeah. <laughs> that's another story. But I, I feel like it's years a good song. of being a curmudgeon, I've trained myself to equate catchy with bullshit so that instead of sticking in that part of my brain that keeps replaying it, it's the part of my brain that becomes anger at society. Mm. <laughs> so I don't know. It's not their fault. I think I'm probably just barred from a fulfilling life at this point, but... It's okay. <laughs> it's raining men. Hallelujah. Yeah. It's raining men. Anyway, some shining moments, though, from uh, Letterman when the Andy Kaufman mm-hmm. and Jerry Lawler oh, yeah. debacle. I mean, that in itself was... I obviously didn't see the original, but uh, that was cool to see. I just... It reminds me... I think that's what Casey Affleck and... Um, Joaquin Phoenix Being, were kind of trying to do with yeah. that documentary. Definitely. Yeah, what was that called, Cody? I can't remember. This um, I'm still here. I'm still here. Like yeah, I'm still here. Thank you. But um, it was that same kind of thing, you know, doing an act that everyone thinks is real in the general mm-hmm. in the public I, eye. I like that concept. Mm-hmm. You know, I the the sort of meta act. You know, right? Something about that really appeals to me because you got to be dedicated to that shit right especially now like because we have social media now so it's like it's not like 30 years ago or anything it's anybody could follow him around with a phone and they could easily catch him lying so for them to go on with that for a whole year it was pretty impressive yeah yeah Yeah. camera's always on you know you don't get a break yeah it's true it's true now uh another moment when Drew Barrymore jumped on his desk, I remember watching. That. I I'm pretty that sure episode. I saw that one yeah. too. Yeah, I don't remember that. She okay. You know, you have Drew Barrymore, the the cute, adorable child actress. Then you have what we know now, the Drew Barrymore, the refined uh, Hollywood high class actress. Mm-hmm. But there's a middle hazy area there that I think a lot of people forget where she was crazy, man. <laughs> like she was, wasn't she all drugged out and doing all oh, kinds yeah, of weird she definitely, shit? Yeah, she grew up too fast being a kid, a child ah, star. That so. sucks. She was what people might call a free spirit. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> the that's polite the term. term. <laughs> yes. But she came out after being introduced and hopped right on his desk and just flashed him. Well, you you know, know, if I had a nickel day, for every day. time I was did it? that. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday, Dave. Yeah, because he even said, he was just like, well, that was the nicest birthday present I've ever gotten on the show. <laughs> um, Crispin Glover. Or, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's another moment that That's, was, maybe we watched that on Candare, like in an early episode, like in the teens somewhere. Yeah, I watched it today, as a matter of fact. Did you really? Yeah, because I was watching a lot of his... Where's his, his insect greatest. collection and shit that he brings out? Mm-hmm. And he was talking about people not understanding him, and he's got muscles and pulls his shirt up and starts flexing. And yeah, then just he thought everyone was going up against him on the show, and he was just you want to see Crispy's a weird dude. Oh yeah. my oh, god, god. The, you have no idea until you look into him how fucking weird he is, like institutionally weird. You know, I met him at the Grandview Theater some years ago, five six years ago. Very friendly guy. Stronger handshake than you'd expect from a person who looks so, like, waifish. In my time on this planet, 
I've come to trust nobody who gives too strong a handshake. No, I mean this was like a very even keel handshake. Oh, I expected a hand. Yeah, yeah. I thought it. I thought you were saying it was a no, no, no. I expected a limp handshake. What I got was a very acceptable handshake. It was right. I've taken note of people in my life who have given me very, very strong handshakes, and it turns out. Most of the time I don't there's like a, them. There's a sweet spot. <laughs> there's a reason. There's a path of mediation. Yeah. There really is. Give it a squeeze, two shakes, you're done. Disengage. He came out on David Letterman, Crispin Glover did, with a wig on. At yep. least what I think it was a it wig. Like a wig. It was really long hair, probably mm-hmm. about halfway down his back. Um, platform boots, really, really tall platforms, bell bottoms, and had a... Striped an, pants. Yeah, had an insect collection with him. Yeah. And was going on about the collection, and David would start laughing, because, you know, I mean, you obviously think it's part of his shtick. Sure. And the audience, in turn, would laugh, and he'd stop, like, mid-sentence and look around, like, genuinely disturbed, like, why are you laughing? I don't understand. I come on here to tell you this, and you're all laughing at me, you know? I just don't understand that. There's, drugs have got to be involved somehow, right? Well, I, I, I heard that the dude was really antisocial, so it's like, I, I feel like it could be that, whereas you just have somebody who is not a social person at all being forced on to be on a talk show. Just kind of misreading cues. Yeah, just being, oh, he's generally a weird person, so you have a weird person out in the public, and it's not going to be, like, it's not going to be good. <laughs> I, I can get behind that, because I believe this man is genuinely weird. Yep. To his soul. Oh my God! Yes, clowny clown clown. Remember that? <laughs> oh jeez, no. <laughs> look it up. If you don't know clowny geez. clown clown, look that up on YouTube, and that's uh, about the pinnacle of his <laughs> fucked upness. I who I don't know, man. I saw when I saw him, he was premiering a movie that he had directed. I think it was called "It Is Fine" or "This Is Fine." Everything is fine. Something to that effect. Ending in fine. Indicating that things were fine. And it was about a quadriplegic man who murdered prostitutes by running them over with his wheelchair? With a lot of weird, unsimulated sex scenes. Hmm. I mean, if, you, if you've never seen a video <laughs> wherein a woman <laughs> has to push aside a man's colostomy bag to perform oral sex on him, then let me oh, tell you, my God. you have not lived. Oh, why? It, I, it was a weird <laughs> takeaway from that night. It was an experience. I paid for the privilege. Jesus. No change in it now. That's where you met him, was that movie. Yeah, that, it was his movie, and he was showing it, and we were like, oh. Man. This was in Texas? No, this was here. No shit. Grandview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grandview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was here. Long while ago, but yeah. I'll be damned. It's a cool night. Bought his book. Book's weird. They only come out at night, <laughs> supposedly. Yeah. <laughs> Another uh, thing I wanted to uh, mention, David Letterman, uh, is that uh, one m- big memory for me is when Homer Simpson and Beavis and Butthead came out on the show. They introduced <laughs> them, they walked out, they sat down on the couch, and he sat there and talked to them at the height of their popularity. And I always thought that was cool as shit. Nice touch. I don't yeah. remember that one. Yeah. yeah they're on uh, YouTube, obviously. I think everything we're talking about here is on YouTube, but... Um, what else you guys got? Anything? I'm I'm running kind of dry here. Just in late night interviews in general. I don't know a lot about them. I know you're a big fan of them, but a lot of interviews from uh, Tom Waits. Oh Ooh, my God, that yeah. guy! He was trashed every time, Love of Tom course. Waits. But God, he was hilarious on every one of those interviews he was on. You just. I feel like being around that guy, he's just like a spigot of wisdom, you know? Like, you could put your cup there and just catch wisdom with every word. You could have a 20-minute conversation with Tom Waits and walk away a changed person. I honestly believe that. Yeah, just watching the interviews, just parts of interviews. Love Tom Waits. Love him. And, uh... It's man, you love it or you hate it. There's there's no (laughs) middle ground with Tom Waits. You love it or you hate it. But man, check that out too. He's in uh, movies occasionally too. Like he's in Book of Eli, Mystery Mystery Men. He was in something fairly recently. Um, Wrist Cutters was Mm. not super recent, but he was in that. He was also in Dracula, Coppola's Dracula with Keanu Reeves and Gary Mm -hmm. Oldman. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Yeah, he was Renfield. Oh, he was fucking fantastic, freaking out in his cell, eating bugs. With that voice, God, it's the best. Hmm. Love he, he, Mr. Manny was the guy who made all their weapons at the amusement park, yep. remember? Yeah. Anyway, this has been your Tom Waits moment. <laughs> <laughs> More to come. <laughs> all right. Uh, before we move on, we have anything else about you, Cody? Uh, nothing. Nothing. I got nothing. Well, 
the well runneth dry. The well runneth. I think. Yeah, I don't know what else we could. Ooh, Space Ghost. I forgot to mention Space oh, Ghost. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a late night show we have to talk about. Space Ghost, Coast to Coast. So, like I'm 25. What? I'm 25, and that is something I would watch when I was like 11. I probably shouldn't have been watching that when I was 11, but I watched it when I was like 11. It was awesome. Oh, for sure. Dude, I am in the exact same boat. I'm 26 now. Watched it way before I should have. Probably didn't understand three quarters of what was being said, but I knew I liked it. It wasn't as bad as Adult Swim is now, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Still good. Good old Brack. Yeah, that's some good stuff. That's some good stuff. You that's where uh, the Aqua Teen Hunger Force first premiered or showed up, right? Is it really? They were like bit characters on yeah. Space Ghost. Kind of like the Simpsons of Tracy Ullman. Mm, yeah. Or how Family Guy almost was that of uh, Mad TV. Mm, that's right, yeah. Interesting. Mm, all these little fun little mm. origin stories. <laughs> Intriguing. Uh, I'd like to welcome our next guest, Chamberlain. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think that's enough with the late night shows, but uh, we hope you enjoyed that conversation and uh, hope you're enjoying some of the late night shows out there. Is there anything out? I Jimmy hope you're Kimmel, enjoying your day. I, I think Jimmy Kimmel is probably about the best one out there now. Uh, I, that and Conan. I am all right with Jimmy Kimmel. I didn't like man show Jimmy Kimmel. You like Hollywood groomed Jimmy I'm Kimmel. A Thin little Jimmy. more in line with yeah. that one. Yeah. Thimmy, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like. Wasn't it Jimmy Kimmel who did the Handsome Gentleman's Club? Yes. It was. Yes. That was so that funny. That was hilarious. <laughs> Another thing to look up on YouTube. Boy, we're going to have people looking up so much shit on YouTube yeah. in this episode. <laughs> All right. Before we move on, uh, there has been a death in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. John Mahoney, who was Frazier's dad. In Frasier has passed away at the age of 77. Just uh, learned that right before we started recording. I, it's weird. In my mind, he was older than that. That's exactly what I was thinking, yeah. I can see that. He definitely looked older than that. But I think um, it's that Clint Eastwood effect. Some people just sort of look they just age. 20 years older than they are. <laughs> like <Worse>. Patrick Stewart? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I know he's been in a lot of other things and he's done voices. I know he did voice in the Iron Giant. Uh, let me see what else. He has done, uh, I know he was in She's the One, Reality Bites. I think he was in a Bruce Willis movie. Iron Giant, which has that uh, government agent who looks a lot like Conan O'Brien. You're right. I think about it. Full circle. Yeah, Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to make mention of that because I was, uh, I am a huge Frasier oh, and oh, yeah. Cheers fan. And yeah. I, he was a great part of that show. And it's just sad to see him go, but. I think the only other member of that show who's passed was uh, the dog, right, Moose? <laughs> yeah, the, mm -hmm. I'm not Little dog, so maybe he's chilling on his lap somewhere there right now. That's sad. Jeez. Well, why is <laughs> that sad? I was all right with it, and then that image, I'm like, oh, shit. Now it's... Why is that sad? He's, he has a, he know, has a companion it's, in it's the It's a fundamentally life. touching thing, but the imagery is very sad. I didn't mean to be disrespectful. You just or... ruined every, everything you touch turns to shit. You I know guess, that? I guess. God. May you rest in peace, John. Honey. <laughs> oh, man. That's thank not you. the send-off he deserved. And thank you so much for everything you leave behind. Indeed. All right. Let's swing open the door to the comic vault, and uh, let's forget about how insensitive of bastards we really are here. <laughs> All right. I'd like to go first. I'll go first. Go first. Poorly Drawn Lines is the name of the comic. Oh, man. And PoorlyDrawnLines.com. All done by Reza Farazmand. Riza Farismond something, but yeah. I don't know. I was wrong about Salitis, so <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> so it's a, a like a Saturday morning cartoon, or the Sunday funnies type of cartoon. Okay, I gotcha. Just the joke a day. There's only maybe four to six panels. Uh, they cracked me up. Some of them kind of, once you read them, you're like, yeah, okay. Some of them are pretty damn funny. Like there's one that a guy is talking, he's like, when you're talking in front of people, you want to make big gestures. The next panel guy comes over and he's like, hi, Bob. And then the, the next panel, the guy that was doing the gestures slaps the shit out of the guy down on the ground. <laughs> then the next panel, he's just sitting there wailing on him. <laughs> the end. Yep, that was it. <laughs> it's like the comics we had last week, remember? The, uh, the Velveteen oh, yeah, Rabbit yeah, thing. Yeah. Oh, my God, that was so funny. Oh, the Reagan mask? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm a Reagan. Chunks. How fucking dare <laughs> you? Let's crack it up, listen to that. Comic one. ends with the rabbit's ass getting beat. 
There's another one. She's like, that's it. That's the joke. <laughs> a savage beating by his father. Then there's another one. There's a guy at a doctor's office, and the doctor comes out, and he says, Hello, sir, I'm a professional doctor. The guy's like, are there amateur doctors? The doctor says, well, we all got to start somewhere. And the patient says, at school, right? And the doctor says, of course I went to school, you idiot. And that was about it. Yeah, I'd be leaving that appointment. <laughs> sure. I, oh, my God. It's something about the style of that comic. It's Always so simple. Spoke. It's super dry. Yeah. And that's that's something that really speaks to me. There's there's one I always... Did you like The Office? I did like The Office. Mm, there you go. There's one in particular that I always remember where it's it's such a stupid concept. I don't even know if I can describe it because the humor is so visual in this one, but... A guy walks into a room, and there's a woman there who's got a table in front of her full of all these nice foods, and he's like, oh, is it breakfast time? And she jumps on the table and squats down and says, no, bitch, it's brunch. And then they both, like, huddle <laughs> around the table, stuffing their faces while brunch, 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 like, flashes across. <laughs> I don't know. It's just there's oh a there's God. a simple genius to it that I can't you can't even <laughs> distill it. It's just the perfect nexus of all its little influences, a little absurdity that yeah, gets it, yeah. tickles you in the funny bone. Oh man. Oh my God. One more time. What was that called? Poorly drawn mm. lines. Poorly drawn lines indeed. Very Great good. Stuff. Sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Jakey, what do you got? No. No? No. I'll go. Anyway, Freak Angels okay. by Warren Ellis. And I kind of stumbled across this one, and I had to talk about it, because I love Warren Ellis. Transmetropolitan, probably my favorite comic of all time. That was the first one I talked about on the show. Yep. Oh, and yeah. probably the fourth time I've used the phrase, the first comic I talked about on the show. Because I'm always <laughs> referencing this goddamn comic. And uh, it is set in post-apocalyptic Whitechapel in the United Kingdom. After most of the UK has flooded, I guess you'd say the landmass has sunken or the ocean levels have risen. I'm not sure just yet, since I've only just started it. The events are vague, and that's kind of the point. There's a central mystery at work here, but like 12 years ago, I think it's 11 or 12 children were all born at the exact same moment in different places across England all with the same strangely colored eyes, all with the same bizarre abilities. Telepathy, matter projection, manipulation, weird... I'm hesitant to say superhero stuff because it's really more like X-Men mutant sort of things, difficult to control. They have a hard time coming into their own. And through events not quite outlined, uh, outlined as of how far in I am, they brought about the end of civilization. So in an attempt to kind of make things right... They've, they all reside in Whitechapel, where they're trying to rebuild it. They've erected, you know, water towers and infrastructure, and they're trying to hold the peace, but it's just these 12 of them. Some of them have gone rogue. They're being hunted down by refugees and stuff from the outside. And it's got this very interesting semi-steampunk feel. All their technology's really cobbled together. It's got that that awesome post-apocalyptic feel of, like, junker towns, you know, where everything's yeah. kind of ramshackle. But it's cleaner than that because you get the old architecture of England and, and the style is, um, is, is very kind of soft. Nothing super jagged or abrasive the way you get in a lot of post-apocalyptic where they kind of want to emphasize that brutal feel. Sure. This one's a lot more refined. And uh, Freak Angels is the name of the, the gang. The, the title they've chosen for themselves, I guess probably because it's scary and also probably because they're, like, in their late teens, early 20s, and they want to sound edgy, you know? Right, but for sure. So far, it's been <clears throat> super interesting. Dialogue's really snappy. I mean, what else can you expect? It's Warren Ellis. Check it out. It's going places. I mean, it's done. It is concluded as of right now. I just haven't finished it personally. Sounds good. Hmm. I mean, it always sounds good. Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued. Check it cool. out. <clears throat> All right. What I have is a webcomic I found called String Theory at StringTheoryComic.com done by Dirk Grundy. I love that name. That, Grundy. Oh my god. Dirk Grundy. That's a comic book name right there. It's a comic book I feel like book Dirk name. Grundy could be the star of like an old school first person shooter game. Ooh, I yep. like that. It's a good name. Dirk Grundy kills harder or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Alright, but what String Theory is is a um, 
comic and this description here is pretty much straight from the website set in the 2060s in an alternate timeline where the Cuban Missile Crisis went horribly wrong, leading to the spin-off universe where America is still stuck in the Cold War. And, uh, boy, I can't read my own writing. Cold War with two communist powers. Oh my god, I wrote so small. And isn't doing well. (laughs) (laughs) I wish it would have been more crucial than that, but (laughs) moving right along. (laughs) In-depth notes. Right? It's bad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. Love it, love it. It starts with a scientist waking up from a coma. And you would think with that description I gave you, it would have a very dismal feel to it. (laughs) And uh, it's really not the case. It has very cartoony kind of drawings and kind of plays out very cartoony. Sometimes it's just like the perfect mixture when you've got what should be a grim and gritty setting, but there's a lot of absurd stuff. Something very lighthearted, right. I love It's like sweet and salty, you know, two things that just sort of complement each other. Exactly. And so he wakes up and realizes that he's been in an explosion and... He's being told he's perfectly fine, except for his eyes. His eyes took some shrapnel. His eyes have been destroyed. And they've been replaced with these temporary mechanical eyes that are only going to allow him to see in black and white for now. And he's kind of an asshole, kind of a prude. And he's just kind of like, ah, you know, screw your high-tech eyes. These These will be fine. They're like, okay, well, now that you're better, we need to put you back to work immediately. Come to find out he's working at this in this underground government facility working on some high-tech shit, which turns out to be a teleportation unit that doesn't have to have a unit on the other side. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah, like a free, untethered teleport. Exactly. But they can't quite get it. So, um... When he's coming out of his coma and going back to work, there's this new girl who starts work there who actually knows all his work, has studied his work, and is now working next to him. But him just being a curmudgeon kind of blows her off until she shows uh, signs that she might be a bit more intelligent than he is. She's figuring out stuff that he can't figure out, which is a huge turn on to him. (laughs) So then he wants to ask her out. Well, she says, no, I'm sorry, I don't work with people uh, or I don't date people I work with directly. Well, there's another scientist down there by the name of Langstrom, and I always think of Farnsworth going, Langstrom! <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's very much that same dynamic. He's he's this, uh, I can't remember the scientist's name, but he's his doppelganger, you know? He hates him, hates everything to do with him. Well, this girl, his partner that he asked out and said no, is now going on a date with him. And... Uh, He's bitter about it, sitting at home, you know, pacing, going crazy. Well, next day he comes to find out by overhearing this Langstrom that, oh, yeah, I made it all the way with her, and uh, I didn't even really care much about her. I just did it because it gets back at him, which sets him over the edge. So he goes into his uh, office there and he goes, you're going to piss me off, huh? I'm going to fuck up everything you've ever done. And he ends up blowing up his lab. And that's the end of chapter one. That's where I left off. But what's intriguing about this is that after the explosion, the comic panels erupt into color. And (laughs) going into chapter two and thereon, it's all color. So I'm curious to see, A, you know, what the eyes have to do with anything, because they're going to play some part in it, rather if it's an actual part in the comic or if it's just the way we perceive it, you know, back and forth, you know, for his perceptions in black and white, everyone else is in color. Mm. But um, it was a lot of fun. It was pretty cool. And uh, I think everyone should check it out. Stringtheorycomic.com. So I think I've seen that title searching before. I think I have too. And uh, I was glad I stopped this time. Boy, I got that out, didn't I? Sure did. uh, it, was a, it was a challenge, but You're I got it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that behind us, let's turn our full attention over to Cody and talk about some of the stuff he has going on over at AlternaComics.com. Thanks so much for being with us, Cody. Well, thank you for having me. Okay, so Sinitis, coming out February 21st. I am anxious to hear about this. You have on the, the website, it looks like a few preview pages for people to check out. And from what we've seen, it looks beautiful. Uh, what can we expect, man? I really like so I co-wrote this one my first time ever co-writing anything in my life so it was very different very weird but it was very fun 
And so I, I remember I was talking to my co-writer, Dan Shepard, and I just kind of said, hey, let's do a book together. He's like, okay. So we're just pitching ideas. And he wanted to do something about tinnitus because he has this, like, constant ringing in his ear all, at all times. And he's like, it's super creepy when you're home alone and all of a sudden you just have this noise just fading in and out and only you can hear it. That was his whole thing, that he just wanted to ha- finally see a story about tinnitus. And then I was like... I really want to do a haunted house story, so we just kind of mesh the two ideas together. I, I like the idea of sort of marrying that to the haunted house concept because it's mm-hmm. such a weird, invasive thing. You yeah. know, it's it's such a subtly creepy. Like on on some on the conscious level, you know, it's just a sound, it's an anomaly, something weird with your hearing. But there's some part of you that's got to believe, like. There's something supernatural at work here. You know, it's just... Someone trying to whisper something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not today, Satan. Now, th- th- was this the series that's a limited engagement? This is only a few uh, issues, right? Yeah, um, both Croak and Sinitis are just three issues each. Kept it short. Kept it short. It's like short and sweet, and they're both going to be graphic novels. Um, Croak graphic novel comes out later this year, and Sinitis comes out next year. Yeah, now Croak's been out for a little while, correct? Yeah, the digital version got released in 2016, and then it was on, like, physical physical copies. You can get at comic shops last year, and, yeah, I mean, and then, like, the graphic novel comes out later this year. But I'm doing something entirely different for the graphic novel version. I figure there was a digital version, there was the physical version, so for the graphic novel version, I'm literally just... It's there's there gonna be like no issue breaks, so it's gonna be one fluid story oh, wow. where you just can read it in one setting. Updated like you no know, updated text, updated dialogue. There's gonna be a backup, a brand new cover, a bunch of pinups, it's gonna have so much stuff in it. That's so cool to do, and I've always wondered why other people haven't done that because it's I don't something know, about that cohesion that really keeps you moving. If you have a linear story, yeah, why wouldn't you? I mean I understand like there are certain comic stories that jump around between characters. They, and they stuff, work so better in that more. It episodic. works better in that way. But yeah, that is so awesome to hear that somebody is finally doing that. I mean, I I'm sure someone has, but I don't understand how. What do you mean it doesn't have a? Like when you take a bunch of single issues and you compile them into a graphic novel, mm-hmm. then each of those issues is kind of broken up into a chapter where you finish the first issue, oh, I got you'll see the, yeah, cover you'll see the cover art. Okay. And sometimes they'll even put like a few page of like conceptual drawings yeah. before okay. that next issue starts, which. Is cool, but put it at the back of the book, right. you know? Don't take me out of the story and then See, drop me back in. That's just the thing. For me, at least, when I'm reading something, I'm, I'm, I'm all about the, like, the point of absorption. When the outside world ceases to exist. Mm-hmm. You right. Know, when you're just so invested that, like, 100% of your willpower is going to visualizing these things, hearing what the characters mm-hmm. say, so on and so forth. And so the more little breaks... The more little disjointed sequences where it takes you out of that, the it's less like satisfied I usually... Yeah, 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 exactly. So the longer you sit in one place following a cohesive story, I think the more immersive it is. So I'm, exactly. I'm all for the idea that, you know, that's the way to do it. And I got to say, this sounds like like kind of a basic thing to compliment, but... The name Croak, I'm a big dork when it comes to nomenclature, and I love short, powerful phrases. Something about that title just really resonates with me. I, there's, it's got a semi-menacing connotation to it, and it just it gets right at you. I, I feel like if, if the title is, is, is vital to the success of a comic, a name like Croak gets right in your face, and I love that. Thank you. It's probably but, just... Uh, ori- yeah. uh, originally, it was going to be a short film. Oh, that wow. was the original concept was I, it was like a week it was actually a couple days the week of filming like that, that weekend was coming up we were going to film and I just remember I had like you know I had it casted I had spent like over $500 getting this because I, I didn't want it to look like shit sure but I spent like $500 and then I got everything together and then my, cinema, my cinematographer bailed on me wow <laughs> Right before, and he he made an excuse, and I was like, "Oh, and it was a good excuse." And then you find out he lied because he starts posting about. You you find out he lied because he goes on social media that weekend, that same weekend, talking about how he has nothing going on but to play fantasy football and to smoke weed. And I'm just like (laughs) sitting there going, "Are you fucking kidding me right now?" I was so pissed. I was just, I was so mad. And then I think it was. I think that was in 20, 
2014. I think that was in 2014, 2015. And then in early 2016, I just kind of went, I want to make comics. I want to put something out there. And I just said, hey, I'm just going to turn Croak into a comic because I don't want that idea to die. So I just turned it into a comic book series. Well, hey, you know, if it works, you know, if, if this is the, the medium that it's all coming together on, why not? You know, I suppose it, I, I I can totally get where you're coming from. I'm not going to pretend I've got perfect insight into your mind, but I, I used to love writing, planning, shooting small sequences of little skits and short films and stuff like that. So I know the level of dedication it takes to get fucking anything going on that you know and you've got to fight through other people's apathy and schedules and everything and then at the end of that to see an idea just stillborn having nowhere to put it i i know how wretched that is so it's It's awesome that that you've been able to translate into something that that you you still get to share this with people you don't have to sit there thinking like oh man croak could have been but because here it is you know (laughs) And I can't lie, like, if it ever gets turned to a film, that would be freaking awesome. Oh, sure. I was just going to say. Like, it has, I have talked to studios about it before. It it fell through, which is fine, you know, that happens. I'm not going to let that keep me down. But, like, it's something that I would still love to see as a film someday. Because the whole point and the whole purpose of Croak was I was sick and tired of all the crappy horror films that come out constantly. I'm with you. That I just want... There's so many crappy horror films, and I just wanted to, like, make one that was like, here's how you do all those little tropes that happen in every single one, but you do something different with them. So I purposely put as many tropes in Croak as I could, but did something different where it wasn't the same old, same old copy and paste plot that we always see. And I tell you what, there's really nothing more satisfying than, like, a well-subverted trope. You know, when you see someone who's got an eye... For the the elements that make up good horror, a good story, and and knows how to manipulate them in such a way that the experience is something new. Get there. I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. It's all about that feeling because you you know your audience, obviously. I mean, if you want to do something like this, you know it's for the 10, 20, maybe 30 people out there who are going to go like, oh, shit, that's brilliant. (laughs) You know, but like that must feel incredible to know you're reaching those people. Like, it, it was the response to Croak surprised me. Like, I mean, obviously, I wanted it to be as successful as it could. And it was just really cool. I mean, it won an award and it beat out guys who were from Marvel and DC and Dark Horse and stuff. And I remember just freaking out. And then I went up to the people at a con. I'm like, hey, I was nominated in that award. And they're like, oh, cool. And it was, it's just awesome to be nominated for an award that, you know, like you're nominated with people whose books you read whose books inspired you to even write this story in the first place. Incredible. And then you beat them, and it's like, this is weird. This is this is a weird timeline we're in. <laughs> what happened? Where's the schism where our realities began to die? Who's inspiring who now? <laughs> <clears throat> you know, it's uh, the perfect time to be uh, a creator with, you know, digital streaming media oh, yeah. out there like Netflix and Hulu and all these people <laughs> who are wanting to do original series. Sure. I'd say the only downside is, like, it's so accessible that the market's just super flooded. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Netflix and Hulu are really flooding oh, well, anything, you know, yeah, but like but those those kind of it will be get it out there. Right. You know, with the advent of social media and there's, YouTube. Yeah, there's a lot. It's a lot easier to get it out there. Exposure and, uh, is easy to get. People. Attention is not. Still. Yeah, there it is. The award you speak of, are you talking about the uh, Gasly Award? Uh, yeah. For what, like a like a best series? It was a uh, best miniseries. Best miniseries. Wow, that's really cool. I saw that on your uh, on your page, and I was like, man, that, I wonder. I gotta ask about that. I wonder what that award's about. <laughs> it, it was actually the final Gasly Award. That was the that oh. was the last Gasly Award thing they ever did. They it's ended, and I was like, hey, I won one. <laughs> it was the last one, but I won. Go me. Oh, go my team. That's still kind of cool. That's still saying though. something. Yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. No one can ever get one again. I yeah. got the last. You can't one. be topped. Exactly. The last Oreo. (laughs) (laughs) Right, there it is. Now, you had uh, mentioned that that the uh, Croak graphic novel is going to be funded via Kickstarter? Uh, Yeah, in March. In March. Awesome. So uh, are you planning on offering any rewards to backers? Oh, yeah, Steph. Because Kickstarter, I just kind of got into it. Like, I, I remember I'd already been planning on doing a Kickstarter for Croak. And, but I'm like, oh, my God, what do I do? It's going to be so much work. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And really, the biggest thing is just promotion. Sure. Like, if you don't promote your Kickstarter, 
that is bad. And I've realized that because I've seen a lot of Kickstarters. And I've seen a lot, I've been part of a Kickstarter before where it didn't reach its goal. And you've kind of just realized, you know, promotion is key. So and, and it's really, I mean, the, the book's already technically finished. I added one new page to, the, like, the core story. And then I got the backup and the pinups. But, like, it's pretty much going to be finished within, like, two months. By the time the Kickstarter is done, the whole thing will pretty much be just completed, which is pretty awesome. But when it came to Kickstarter, I was just like, I'm going to do it. Let's try it out. And I've been promoting it, and the response has been great. And I started promoting it, like, back in October because I'm thinking October is the month of Halloween. That's horror. I'm going to start talking right. about it now. If it's better than talking about it in December when, you know, Santa Claus comes around. So, <laughs> yeah. Kickstarter, I mean, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, no. Are you, no, no. I was going to ask if Kickstarter, like, allows you to, like, make your page and then, like uh... – like before you launch, like let it gain momentum before you actually hit the like launch campaign button. Do you know what does that make sense? Kind of like a, a website preview website before. Yeah, like this Kickstarter is going to be running here in a few months, but until then, here's what we're going to be making. Here's what you can expect to get. Or is I it just you like can't... your Kickstarter goes live the day you hit the campaign? Starts? Um, it, it, the second it campaign starts, I think you can like have a preview of it because you have to get your kickstarter approved like you submit it and then they go all right yeah cool feel free to launch it what's the schedule launch day and then they'll you know it launches that day but i remember somebody actually sending me a preview of their kickstarter that they were doing and i was like oh i didn't even know you could i so i really don't even know because hmm. they sent me their a preview of theirs like two days before it was even launching and but i'm, I'm honestly not sure I think we've had someone do that with us before, but I can't think for the life of me who it was. It sounds familiar. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. That's cool, man. So do you uh, get out to the con con uh, circuit at all? Do you do conventions? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Last year I did, like, I don't even know. It was, like, 15 conventions maybe. <laughs> wow. I'm not really sure. There was so many cons. So, and that's not including just regular signings. I was at one point signing, like, two times a month and that not even like i do like two signings in a month and a con in that month and it was just insane it was very busy very hectic wow my hat goes off to you <laughs> we were just talking <laughs> about how three do. cons is gonna drain <laughs> us <laughs> oh, I, I mean this year like i'm completely went last year i was like i'll do a bunch and then this year my schedule is a lot more it's a lot more it's a lot busier this year so I'm like, oh, I don't have time for cons. I don't have time for signings right now. I am doing a signing on the 21st, though, for the release of Sinaitis. So. Ooh, where so. at? Um, Friendly Neighborhood Comics in Bellingham, Mass. Nice. Very nice. Now, do you ever get down to Ohio? Uh, no, I haven't traveled. The furthest I've ever traveled to a con was New York for oh, signing. Wow. Okay. Well, if you ever do get to Ohio, let us know. We'll, uh, we'll yeah, definitely. Visit beautiful Cincinnati. You won't be disappointed. <laughs> Columbus, we're in Columbus. <laughs> I know, I'm just saying there's a connection. <laughs> oh, is that where we are? <laughs> All right, man. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on and uh, keep us in the loop as far as, you know, the start date on your Kickstarter and everything, and we'll make sure it gets the promotion it needs. Yeah, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. And thank you. Jack, what do we have on the website? You go to candairpodcast.com or you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on our social media, click our merch button to buy some merch, hit the Patreon button to patronize us, check out some of our YouTube videos and our special guest page, and if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And once more, that is at CannedAirPod on Twitter and at Canned underscore Air on Instagram. There it is. I'm trying to think if there's anything else we need to say. I keep thinking like there is, but... Uh, I think we covered all the bases no, on this I one. think everything's pretty well covered. It's raining men. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's raining men. Well, with that, until next time, I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And I'm Cody Sousa. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hold on there, Mervyn. 
Wow, it's Flint! It's one thing to break a window, but it's another to blame Simple Billy. You should be inside listening to the Candare podcast. What about the window? I guess you shouldn't have broke it. Now we know! And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Monster Hunter. You know what? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> it's like Dark Souls with dinosaurs. Come on, man. Some monsters are pretty cool, though. Yeah, they're fucking cool as shit. Coming up on 5-Minute News... I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.